Well, good morning. Good to have you here today, and uh, we're excited to have Nate Miller with us uh, from Mission Scranton. And a number of you know Nate well. You've been involved in the ministry at Mission Scranton, and uh, I don't want to steal his thunder. He's going to spend time updating you with how that's been going and how we as a church have been involved. And, and, and I just learned something new this morning in, in t checking with Nate and praying together that, that actually began back in 1994 with Mike Stallard. And a number of you, if you've been around for a while, will remember Dr. Mike Stallard, uh, who was over at the seminary across the street, but uh, began a church plant down in Scranton and Mission Scranton came out of that. So Heritage has been very much involved and invested in the ministry of Mission Scranton for, I guess that's going on almost 30 years. And uh, that's an exciting thing. And I think you're going to be even more excited when you hear from Nate what God's been doing. So Nate, it's your time. Glad to have you here this morning. Well, good morning. It is good to be back here. I'm seeing lots of familiar faces. This is good. Some reunions today. Uh, the last time that I was here was back in the summer of 2021. And it was actually at that time that I was transitioning from working full-time at CSU to pursue, pursue being full-time in missions, serving as the executive director with Mission Scranton. And man, it's been, it's been a journey. Uh, there's one thing of just hearing people share their story of taking a step of faith to follow after God and what he's called you to, whatever that may be. But when you join that ride, it is, it is quite scary. It is, um, when you think of, uh, if you look on Facebook and see an image of a kid, like it's a meme of a kid going down this roller coaster and he's looking terrified, holding on to the parent. That's how it felt, following after God and to do this full time. Uh, but God has been providing. It's been amazing. There's things that, uh, that has happened that I couldn't make up. It could be like a movie, honestly. And I don't have enough time to share all of that. Um, but I do want to share a few different stories and specifically about what we did with you guys partnering up to reach a new neighborhood called Hilltop. And we'll get there and, and hear a little bit of what God's done through that neighborhood ministry. But to tell you a little bit about Mission Scranton, and we are an inner city ministry. We're a nonprofit organization that's focusing in on low-income housing neighborhoods in the city of Scranton. We focus on working with the children and youth, and through them working with the families and the parents in those neighborhoods. So for us, we do not have our own facility. So for us, we are super mobile, so we focus on mobilizing teams of volunteers from local churches and ministries to go where the people are at. And as Pastor Glenn referenced, uh, Dr. Mike Stollard, whenever he started this ministry, his motto initially was taking the church to the people, meaning taking the body of Christ and going to where the people are at. Because he was seeing issues, um, especially in the city, that a lot of these families uh, from low-income areas and broken homes they would not be the ones typically walking through the doors of the church. And so he's like, we need to go to where they're at. And so that's what we do. We focus on mobilizing to go where they're at, and that'll be in their neighborhoods. That can be at their park. For a long time, it was a bottom section of an apartment building. For those of you who have served with us, uh, that's called Building 9. Um, and that was our tiny little space that we did ministry in for years. And the space of that really, man, it is... Maybe the size of this stage was the space that we had to work with, um, with the ministry to these kids and teens. And so we were willing to go anywhere. We also did ministry in someone else's basement for a short time. And uh, it was not a nice basement. Occasionally it would flood. And uh, literally, I think with some of us, we, we, had a, we threw some carpet down, like some throw rugs, a lamp and we had a projector we were putting on it to, onto the cement wall for worship. It felt like underground church. Um, it was quite the experience. Uh, but then since then, we have, uh, we've transitioned during the school years to running uh, the ministries at local churches. So we run 
Um, so we're in two neighborhoods right now, Valley View Terrace. We've been there for a while. We have Hilltop, which we'll talk about. Uh, so for Valley View, we meet with the children's ministry at Steamtown Church on Mondays. We run our program there for them. And then on Tuesdays, we run over at New Life Baptist Church uh, for the children and youth from the Hilltop neighborhood. And then Wednesdays, we have essentially like a youth group style ministry for our Valley View teens uh, on Wednesday nights. So for us, our big focus and the focus I've wanted to have with our, our students is we're running what we call life change programs each week. Essentially, they're Bible studies for these students and being there all year round. So faithful, continual ministry. In the summer's times, we, we go back to the neighborhoods where they're from and run things out in their fields again um, or at their parks. But for us, for us to see really that long-term life change, we have to be continuously going there to, to reach them where they're at, build deeply into those relationships. And then from there, connect those families to the local church family. So for our mission, it's to empower the inner city children, youth, and family with hope by connecting them to life-changing opportunities. And as I, I say that statement, we're a holistically caring ministry, but our number one drive is to that hope that is an eternal hope with a relationship with Jesus. As, I work with, as I've worked with um, these kids and teens for years, I started as a volunteer back in 2012, so I'm a little bit over 10 years now, and uh, the volunteers are calling me old. Now, I'm no longer the young one. I can't claim that now. Um, but as I've been there, there is just an overwhelming amount of needs in the city. It's the same needs that we have anywhere else. It's the same brokenness we have anywhere else. But whenever you take that to the city, a dense, condensed, uh, huge population, it's magnified and it's overwhelming. And as I'm there, I realize, okay, like we can provide some temporary needs. We can care for them. Uh, where they're at with schooling, needs for food. Uh, even as we speak now, we're working with a family that's homeless, and we're trying to navigate that with them. But it's too much for us to handle. And so the ultimate empowerment we're going to see is connecting them to a relationship with Jesus. Um, you can go to the next slide, actually. Uh, so also since I've stepped out, I've been able to add two other staff members to our team, um, my sister Emily, who is here up front, and then uh, Justine Mackinson, who is our administrative coordinator, came on last year. Uh, as I stepped out uh, in 2021 and was talking to you guys, we barely had any money to support me. So that was overwhelming. But then since then, just as of a few weeks ago, for our phase one goal to support me and our ministry for where we're at right now, uh, at least at that point, we reached that phase one goal a couple of years ago, or a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago. We were not there a couple of years ago. So God's provided there. But as I was jumping into the ministry, I realized like we started the Hilltop ministry and we had uh, over 100 students that we're working with throughout the year. We have over 50 volunteers that we're working with. And there's just a lot to handle. So then, really, I just needed to bring on staff members right away. So Emily's serving as the children's program coordinator. And Justine is making sure everything runs and takes care of a lot of things. We've also had a van that we added to our ministry. Uh, that was huge because I did say earlier how we transport them to local churches, to those sites to run the ministry. That was due to COVID because... This kind of space here for Building 9, where we were at, is not great for social distancing if you're cramming in 30 people in that room. So we couldn't run there, so we had to move to the churches. So, so we ran into a new issue where we couldn't have a dozen volunteers transporting all those students back and forth to the church. So we purchased a van, and God's provided funds to actually have a second van that we're still looking for. Um, yeah, and... I was telling Pastor Glenn just a unique opportunity, too, that came about last summer. There was, uh, in May, after school uh, in Scranton, there was, a, there was a couple of fights that happened. One of our teens 
were part of those fights. He got jumped, beat up, and slashed in the back of the head. He survived. He was fine. But then as he was being transported to the hospital, um, within that hour, other guys retaliated on the guy that initiated the other attacks and stabbed him to death. And so some of you might have seen that in the news. That caused big ripples in the city, and lots of parents and school administrators are super concerned about the safety of our our students in the city. So through that, uh, long story short, we ended up getting connected with Mayor Paige Cognetti of Scranton. She came out to one of our programs that we were running at Hilltop. She was impressed, loved that we were meeting some needs in the neighborhoods, and now I am serving with their uh, collaborative youth council. Did not expect that at all. And so I have a chance to be able to talk to the Scranton leaders and other nonprofit organizations. And this past Friday, we actually had school administrators sitting in a meeting with us in the city council, which doesn't, if you're familiar with this area, that doesn't normally happen. So to connect to the local school there and the administrators, super rare. Also, it's super rare for other ministries like Youth for Christ that go into schools to bring the gospel there. That's almost, that's been impossible to do the past, I don't know how long, with Scranton. But in the meeting, I was able, as we were talking through challenges, tensions before and after school, I was able to talk to, uh, in the group meeting, ask one of the lead administrators if he was open to um, them having outside organizations to come in during those times to serve. And he said, yeah. So I don't know if he's just saying that because we were in a big room. We had a bunch of leaders there, but I got him to say it out loud in front of the whole group. So what we're hoping is, I don't know, please pray about that. Mission Scranton hasn't done anything with schools like that, uh, but I know there's other ministries in the area too, and I'd love for the church, if we have that kind of opportunity to get in to a Scranton school, I think we should be all about that. Um, So be praying for that. We can jump to the next slide. So as I've been in this ministry, I, like I said, I was a volunteer while I was at CSU, 19 years old, um, knew everything. I did not know what I was getting myself into. And you ask, we asked the questions of how do we reach the lost with the gospel? You know, we, we have workshops. I even lead a workshop at TLC sometimes. Like, how do we evangelize? How do we make disciples? How do we lead the lost to believe in and follow Jesus? And it seems, it seems simple in some circles where it's like, oh, yeah, like, you're part of church ministries. You're doing VBS. Uh, you have outreaches, and we're seeing people follow and make professions. But then whenever I, I went into this setting, it was a whole different ballgame, um, where many of them have never heard the gospel before. They're hearing it for the very first time from us. Um, Their environment has just really mangled them uh, into chaos, and there's just so much hurt that is part of their lives, and we're trying to figure out how do we minister to them? How do we reach them? And so for me, through sharing about what God did at Hilltop over the past year and a half and looking at Scripture— I really just want us to really reflect on how God wants us to lead people to him and how that can practically play out and how it has with us already. You can go to the next side there, Nicole. So actually, in the fall, we were doing a lesson with the teens from Hilltop, and we were talking about uh, leadership and who do they trust, and... um, and as we were talking through, like, hey, I don't trust anybody. I'm like, okay, do you trust any teachers at school? Nope. Do you trust parents at home? Nope. And then I'm like, where do you, like, who do you trust? Where do you feel, feel safe? Where's the hope? And one of the girls said, there is no hope. And she's, like, 13 years old. And she's got to, like, act like an adult and be super rough to protect herself. So... There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hardness here. And I want us to look really at the reality of the lost world that we are reaching. You can go to the next slide. 
So first we're going to look at James 3.16 as we go to God's Word just to see what is the reality of the world that we are reaching. And it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. If you come out to one of our ministry nights, the description of disorder and every evil thing might be one of those descriptions. <laughs> there is a lot of chaos that happens, um, and there's a lot of structured chaos that we have happening as we try to minister to them, provide a safe environment, present the gospel, teach them God's word, engage in some fun, feed them some meals. But from what we can see here, because of the sin, because of the lostness of where they are at, it's going to be driven by envy. It's going to be driven by selfishness and individualism. And from that, chaos. And from that, every bad thing you can think of. And with that, and then we're not going to jump to Judges there, but in Judges 21 25, it's referencing about how Israel... Uh, in the time of Judges, had no leader. And during that time, I won't go into detail, but some pretty messed up stuff happened that Israel took into their own hands between how they worshipped and how they handled the issue of not having wives. There was chaos and evil. No leadership. That's something I think we are seeing now, and it's something that I'm seeing in the city with our students, is that there is... The, the look and the, the dependence on authority is no longer, there's no respect there for authorities. If there are broken homes, that has been hurt to trust the authority of leaders at home. And through the different issues we see in politics and everything else, there's a lot of shaking and a lot of noise to where people are giving reasons to not trust these leaders as authorities. And so we're in this postmodern time, so where society is taking this authority from the church, taking authority from any sort of leadership, and they're putting that onto the individual. They're putting that onto our kids and teens to be their own authority to make the decisions of who they are and what's true. We have so many students. We have so many students where we have a wide variety of sexual orientation and gender identities is also part of that as well. And so the authority has been given to our students, to our young people to decide who they should be. And they believe that what, they, what the society is saying is that whatever you say to be true for yourself, um, that is you seeking the good for yourself. And so you are pursuing good. But we know that's a lie. We know that we were born into our sin, and we have that sin nature that has corrupted us. So we don't know what good is. We don't originally start out that way. And I, a way that I think of this visually is envision our society and envision our kids um, in these environments to where it's pretty much like you're going to a party. And at these, this party, there's no roles, there's no leader. And everyone can decide to do whatever makes them happy with whatever is there or whatever person is there. How are people going to be at the end of that party? It might not be, might not be a lot of survivors. might be a lot of trauma. A lot of different issues are coming out of that. What I see especially... What I see in the city that I think is represented in a lot of society right now is that's what it's like. It's a party where there's no leader and there's no rules. And nobody wins in that one. We also see in the reality of our world in 1 John 2, 16 to 17. I'm going to turn over there. So this is talking about our world. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, 
and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. We understand that whatever the world has to offer, it's only a temporary solution, even if it seems great initially. And, and this alone, when we think about the world that we're reaching um, and how we lead them out of that, is that we understand the lost ones pursuing that because we ourselves used to, and sometimes our flesh makes us wander back to chasing those again. But the powerful insight and truth that we have here is that we can look at the lost in their lives. I can look at a teen. I've been doing this with one teen in particular the past few weeks in small groups, but I can look and see that he's chasing the pursuits of the world, the pleasures. And I can see that those pleasures right now, and he admits it straight up, he understands the gospel, but he is held back by those because he doesn't believe what God has is better. And he doesn't see or believe that it will last. So you and I have an insight and know that the person we are talking to, them trying to pursue anything but God, we know it's not going to last. We know it's not going to last. There's times where we can, our, some teens will wander off and not come out for a while. And leaders are like, what, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to come back? I'm like, well, I know whatever they're doing right now, it's not going to last. And we see them after that come back. So we have that understanding. They don't have the answer. We do. We have that answer in the relationship with Jesus. We see in Romans 3.23 that all fall short of the glory of God. We're hopeless without Christ. It could be easy for us as a church, as a ministry, to meet immediate needs of others and believe that those will lead to the long-term answers and those will help. But really the glory of God and that perfection and being in that relationship with Him is something that even society is trying to get to this pinnacle of complete goodness, which is really the glory of God. And all those efforts fall short. There's no hope without Christ. And then hopping over to, lastly, on, the, on looking at the lost and their reality in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. Not, not living, but dead. Stuck. Unable to bring oneself back to life. Dead in sin. That's where you and I came from. That's where the lost is at. In which you formerly walked according to the courses of this world. For those of you who are believers, we were there before. That was the past, but that's not who we are now. And in that, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That lifestyle, that former lifestyle, is just this complete indulgence of the flesh that we are born into. And with that, it shows that's, that's how we walked and that's how we went to try to live, but that was no freedom. Right now, a lot of our students and teachers say, like, let them be free, make their own decision. Choose what is right. They think that is freedom, but what we know, because of us knowing that we were born into our sin, dead to sin, stuck in this indulgence to where you have to keep indulging and consuming the world to numb whatever pain you have or to satisfy whatever hunger or urge that you have, and you have to keep doing that to keep feeling like you're alive when you're actually dead. 
So we know, we know that the lost are stuck in this, and they're not actually free. And we understand, we understand that for ourselves too. Next slide. But enters Jesus. Him looking at the lost. Looking at the world. Here's his, his heart. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. He looks at that party with no leader and he sees hurt people. He sees broke people and they don't have a leader. They don't have a shepherd. And that's what we're designed to be as being created in God's image is we're, we're supposed to be dependent on him. He's supposed to be leading us. But he feels this compassion. Do we hurt for the world around us that is hurting? For those in our family, our friends that don't know Jesus? Do we look at them and, and see behind the masks, behind the glamour that is fake? Do we see the hurting? Do we feel that compassion? And next slide. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came from heaven, becoming fully man, fully God, humbling himself to be where we are at and to be like one of us to reach us while we were dead in our sins, to bring hope, to bring salvation, to bring life. And for us, he's done that for us. So now we've got to go do the same for others. We've got to go to the lost because they are stuck. They can't get out themselves. They need to hear the truth of Jesus. We have to go and to seek them so that they have the opportunity to be saved. Next slide. And here is an illustration that is real life of how we did that. Summer of 2021, month of July, every Thursday we did an outreach event at Hilltop. It started with me talking up here for a little while. And then we did a training. We talked about the plan, and we had no, and for, as I was trying to prepare people, I was not connected to this neighborhood yet. We're kind of winging it. We're going into the neighborhood, not knowing what to expect, but we know that there are lost there, and so we went out to them, and then the picture on, oh, actually, so the picture below, it's really neat, special to me, where a few of us went out to pass out flyers the week before our first outreach, and we had Ra Ra and Kiki, two of our teens from Valley View, um, who professed faith to be part of what we were doing. And I got to cast that vision of, hey, we're called to make disciples, and you are too. Amen. And we want to do what we did in Valley View at Hilltop. And they're like, wow, we get to be part of this too? And so they were, they were part of those connections of helping us make connections with people that they knew in the neighborhood. That picture to the uh, top right, that day, Haley and I were super stressed about actually, like us actually being able to run that event. Haley was helping organize a lot of this um, for us to run this event. It was calling for thunderstorms, and I really, like, all we had was flyers to families. So the last thing that I wanted us to do was to not be out there the first day when they go to show up. I'm like, that's going to be a terrible impression. Like, I just felt like we needed to be there. And so I'm, we're looking at the radar, and there's supposed to be these thunderstorms coming through. And, and Haley and I are praying. We're sending messages to you guys to pray. And then uh, we just we decided, actually, Haley then sent me a screenshot. And the storm for a, gave us a time where it actually broke around us. And we looked like we had a little window of time at the beginning <clears throat> that we could get there. Wasn't sure about it later, but we're like, okay, let's just go. Let's go. We might have an opening. So we went there, 
And we started connecting families randomly throughout the neighborhood. They started gradually coming to us. And we had 40 minutes of no thunderstorms. And then gradually it started to rain. No thunder and lightning. But many of you and older adults were out playing in the rain with these kids. It was a great time. So we had a blast there. And we were able to start our first outreach and share the gospel that night with a few kids underneath those tents. And from there we continued to go out. And we met other people like a parent named Raphael, uh, who had three boys that came out. And he said, we have nothing like this up here. Literally one day I was sharing the gospel. He's this big, strong dude. His arms are crossed, looking at me as I'm sharing this message. I'm like, oh man, I think I'm offending this guy. And he's not the one I want to offend. (laughs) And then Scott and I went up to him afterwards and talked to him. and, And he said he loved hearing that message. He's, he's from a Catholic background, but he loved that we were sharing uh, the story of Jesus there. And from there, he's like, you guys got to keep coming out. And so I talked to Haley and Scott, and I was like, well, I think we got to keep going. Like, they're receiving it. They want it. We got to keep going. Next slide. So then eventually we we ran the program outside for the longest time while I was trying to find a space in the neighborhoods to run in a community building that had something, I was hoping like a size, like a stage at least, like the other place. But we ran into the roadblocks, we couldn't get in, and then eventually we were able to run um, at Steamtown for a little while from November through December. That picture on the bottom right is their very first time at Steamtown, and for some of them it was the very first time they walked into a church building, and we were able to kind of share, hey, this is what church is. This is the church family. This is like what God's designed the church to be. And then from there, we transitioned to run over at Hilltop or at um, New Life for the Hilltop program. And at the top right, you can see that's the end of the first school year with our crew uh, in the May of of 2022. And then that summer, uh, top left, we did our outside ministries there. We uh, did a VBS week teaming up with Steamtown Church. We had over 70 kids and teens come out. We had parents come out. And that's actually then when we met the mayor, when she came out to our events there. We had an amazing, amazing time. And then bottom left, you can see a picture of our group of teens. This past fall, we did an overview, kind of like a flyover of the Old Testament for them uh, for the very first time. And then now we're currently working through the story of Jesus with these teens for the first time. So it's been really, it's just, it's raw, but it's amazing to see them just hearing and starting to understand the gospel more and more and more and understand who Jesus is more and more. Next slide. So with this passage here, like whenever we did those, the ministries outside in the neighborhoods, it was, it was amazing having the body of Christ there having people from our churches there, loving on these kids, sharing the good news. And, um, and the, I think of this passage. It talks about how we are the light of the world. The lost are in the darkness, and they come to the light of Jesus. We have that relationship with God. We have the Spirit of God in us. And all of us together, with all of our different members, the church is not just an arm or a leg. We need all all of us together. Um, but as I've, I've done ministry and I've tried to solve different issues, one of the most simple things that God was teaching me is that you just need the body of Christ, the family of God, to be unified, coming out here to where they are at, living out that truth, sharing that truth, sharing that love, and sharing the message of Jesus. And for them, what do they see when they come out? Do they only, do they hear a rigid plan, or do they see a family of God who loves each other and them in their presence? He wants us to shine and to, to share and live out that truth. When we live out our, the reality and truth of our relationship with God, that then becomes a light and revealing, showing who God is. Next slide. In this book called Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter, uh, this quote really stuck out to me, and it was, it's, 
A simple way of looking, a simple way and wording of reconciliation and reconciling the world back to Christ. But he said the church is also a befriending community, inviting others into friendship with Jesus and his people. Christians are not only reconciled to God, they are also entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the church as a community of Jesus' friends, or I like to think, the family of God, welcomes others into this great friendship. We can be a family of God, reaching them and inviting them to have that opportunity to have a relationship with him. Next slide. So we look at the reality of our own, our own life. Um, I'm not going to get to all of this for the sake of time, but let's hop over to 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. So we ask the question, then how do we, how do we lead the lost to believe and follow Jesus? We see here Paul writing to Timothy and referencing how Timothy was able to become aware to know Jesus. And he says, starting verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom, insight, right, that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We have access to God's word that is, provides truth and insight to how we can have that relationship and salvation through Jesus by faith. In verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So between the Spirit of God being in us and us have accessing to his word and truth, this, God's word, is good enough and is more than good enough to be able to equip us to be able to share who God is, to teach and help reveal the reality of the world that we're in. We're looking for truth. What's the reality of the world? We're walking through that now of who are the lost? Who are we? Who is Christ? God's word is teaching us and showing us the truth and reality that we are in. And so through that, we can be empowered by God's word. And that's how, how I've struggled at an early time to teach the kids. Um, through that, I was challenged in many ways that they don't understand the Christian lingo. And so through that, I was pushed to then study God's word, really seek to understand that more and more. And, and as I do, we, if we just get a chance to bring God's word to them, it's living and active. We can let God do the work through his word. So we should not neglect that. God's word is um, something we need for our own walk and how we should live for us to know that truth, to walk in that truth. Um, but then even later on, which we won't hop, there, um, hop over there, but in Colossians 3, 7, 12 through 17, it's talking about how the word of Christ must, must dwell among you richly. So the truth of God needs to be rich and really so much a part of who we are in transforming us and changing the way we see things, changing the way that we relate to each other and the way that we relate to the world. That should be a huge a huge part of who we are. And as we get into God's word, and as we understand that here's, here's where uh, we have a breakdown of just looking and seeing, okay, I know this truth, I can speak back the Christian lingo, but let's go to Romans 15, 13. Is this, we have to look at this verse to see, as we get, are getting to know God and growing in that relationship, growing in knowledge, is this really true? Of us. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound, or in other translations, may overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're singing about that today. We're talking about the lack of hope that the lost have. And we say that we do have hope. In Jesus. We can say that, and you can say that to the lost, you can say that to the kids and present that to them, 
But what do they really see happening in your life? Do they actually see, do they see stress? Do they see performance? Do they see anger? Do they see us pushing them to abide by something so that they are more moral and more convenient? Or do they see that we have this hope in God and that we have joy and peace that overflow from us? Do we see the evidence of the Spirit of God working through us? Are we being led by our flesh, our past, our nightmare? That's no longer us, but it's in the past. Are we led back to that? Or are we being led by God? Are we being led by the Spirit? That is convicting for me, because that is not always the case for me. As I'm there, I, I, that's not always evident, but it's like, man. But we get that whenever we understand who we are in Christ. That's why we have to keep teaching and encouraging and admonishing each other in that because we so often quickly forget who we are and what we got. And if we really did understand who we are and what we have in Christ, then we would see an overflow that would make the church in this community look like a light and that we would be going out and reaching the lost, that we'd be taking some risks at times and taking a step of faith to be on mission for God together. What is that overflow? That overflow is our worship to God. And from there, I, I referenced it already, but we look at Romans 10, 14 to 15, where it's, it's making that plea of how will people know this hope, this good news of Jesus unless there is a preacher or someone there to share that. And then how will the preacher go? How will we go if there's no one to send them? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry this good news? Huh. I would love to have you guys come out with us in the summer at Hilltop for some ministry. We're literally uh, on a hill carrying the good news of Jesus to them, it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. And we've got to do that. And that's only driven. That's, that's not a performance thing that we do. That is an overflow of knowing who we are and knowing the need from the lost. Next slide. Some fruit that we got to see on the right there is our little buddy, Mirmir. He was pretty much there from the beginning with us. This past summer, we presented the gospel many times. And after one of the messages, I, he actually got some stuff in his eye. And I was trying to help him, like, wash it out. And as we were talking, um, we noticed that he keeps raising his hand that he's interested in um, having that relationship with Jesus. So I talked to him about that. And, and he... And his little childlike faith has put his faith in Jesus. And he told me, he's like, Nate, I get to share, I share about Jesus with my teacher. I'm like, all right, bud. That is amazing. Such a sweet kid. But he is, he's the only profession of faith that we have seen uh, so far. But so many are, are understanding the gospel more. And there's other kids like Aiden that Emily gets to work with, who's like a sponge and just soaks it all up. And he's getting it. He's remembering it. The word is there, and he's, he's remembering that. On the left, we did a, uh, that's a huddle of some of our girls in the Hilltop neighborhood. We had a really rough week before that. Uh, there was some fights and stuff, and I was like, we just can't. We're going to have to cancel this week or something. It was so bad. We got to talk to parents. And then uh, we then decided to do a prayer walk instead and then talk to the parents. And so during that time, as we were praying together, walking through the neighborhood and praying, one of the girls, her name is Josiah, uh, she came up to one of the leaders and she was like, hey, can I pray for you guys? Like, yeah. So they huddled up there and they, they prayed together. And it was also during that night that Raphael, the one dad I referenced earlier, um, we were there at his house and talking with him. 
And he was just saying how it's super hard to follow God and follow Jesus in this neighborhood and in this environment. He doesn't trust people. He thought he had friends, but I guess they're not true friends. And so as uh, Emily was leaving, um, she said, well, Raphael, we're your friends. And he said, no, you're family. And I'm like, wow, that's what we want to see. Like, does, do they see family of God coming there to them to seek and to save the lost? We go in there to seek and to connect them to Jesus so that they can be also part of that family. Next slide. And so for them to be saved, we see that he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, right? We want to see going from darkness to light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's our rescuer. And the way that we know how to lead them to Jesus, part of how we know that is that for those of us who have that relationship with God, we have walked from darkness to light ourselves. We were once one way and stuck, lost. And then Jesus came in between, rescued us from that darkness. And now we have a new life, new identity. We have forgiveness of our sins. And we keep getting reminded of that when we go back into those sins. I was really struggling whenever I talked with one mentor and I said, I hate how I sin. I hate how I sin in these ways and that comes back. I wish, like, why doesn't it all go away? Really wrestle with that. Still really wrestle with that at times. And then he said, do you believe that God works all things together for good? For those who love him and trust him, obey him. Do you think he can do that? Like, yeah. Do you think he can do that with your sin? Amen. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like the right answer to me. <laughs> but then as I've continued, and even as I have to get our sin, although it's awful, that's not who we are, but then it's a reminder of that forgiveness that we have and a reminder of what we've been rescued from. And then whenever I look across at another teen and I see this shame, I see this weight on this kid, a kid that's professed faith and he's got this weight. I, already, I know what he's going through. I don't know exactly what it is, but I had that, that same weight. And I might even had that same, week, that same weight the week before. And so I can relate. I understand where he's at. And then we have to go through repentance and coming back to Christ. And now we get to walk them through that as well. So in our own walk and in our own repentance and following and what we learn, we get to then walk along with those who are lost coming to Christ and walk them through that too. Next slide. Next slide. I think we're at the end here. So, my challenge to us in the last questions, as we are seeking to find ways to lead the lost from the darkness to the light to that relationship with Christ, are we walking in God's truth? Are we internalizing this truth? Is it that hope that overflows? Are we living out His truth and His reality in our daily lives? Is He evident? Are we going out into the darkness to share God's truth? Do we understand the message that we have? Do we understand the hope that we have? Are we sharing that? And are we seeking out the lost and finding ways to lead them to know Jesus faithfully and trusting God with those results? Afterwards, we have, a, we have a table out here. We'd love to 
connect with you guys one way. If you're trying to find a way to take that step, to be able to share the gospel, to reach the lost, it's hard to do organically on your own. I get that. It's hard for me too. But we have an opportunity where we want to be a ministry that's an extension of the local church, an extension of you all to go and reach the lost. And for us, it's an inner city of Scranton. And we would love for you to be part of that, that journey in some way. So we'd love to connect afterwards. Let me pray here, and we'll transition. Father God, I thank you for your mercy, your love that you've poured out onto us. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. Thank you for using, taking a super insecure, messed up 19-year-old and pulling him into your work and mission that he was completely oblivious to. God, I pray that that we will as a church and here as we worship to meditate on, on you, our relationship with you, the hope that we now have in you, God. And I pray that you stir in our hearts and do a work through us. I don't know what that's going to look like, what your, your will is, God, but have your way in us. May your hope and love overflow from our church family and local church families in this area, God, to the dark world around us. Lord, build your kingdom here. And we are here. Use us as you will. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.